You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. And on today's episode, I wanted to talk to you, I really ask you maybe, what do you do when you go to work and you get a half-baked, incomplete report from the off-going nurse? What do you do? And let me say this. So for those of you who may be new to this show or don't know much about me, I've been a nurse for quite some time, over 20-something plus years, ICU-ER. I've always floated, like I've literally almost worked in every single area except for labor and delivery, at least directly. I've transported pregnant patients to higher uh, levels of care in my critical care transport position. But anyways, for the most part, I've heard and I've seen enough to really know how to tee up and set my colleague for success by giving them a, a pretty good report. Now, mind you, I don't have to list detail every single thing about the patient, but giving them the good nuts and bolts about the patient so they know what's going on. I always take pride in giving a, a good SBAR to the, the shift that's coming on. And I would like that in return. I really, really would. And I'm going to use a particular scenario in which that didn't happen. And so when it doesn't happen, what do you do? Do you just kind of like think to yourself like, oh my gosh, whatever, this is, this is crap. I'll just read the chart or I'll find out from a colleague. Like, do you do that and just like not say anything and just go on about your day? Or do you ask the nurse questions and do you provide teachable moments to them, like making recommendations on, you know, next time they give report to someone, maybe including this or including that, like how many of y'all feel comfortable having those conversations, those collegial conversations? Now, I know some of you are like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the time to have to teach someone something they should already know. That's true. I get it. However, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. This is the kind of report they give. They may think like, hey, this is fine. No one said anything. There's no feedback. So they don't know that important elements are missing or that, quite frankly, they need to maybe step it up a notch or two. Now, listen, I understand some people don't like policing other people, and that's really not what it is. So I'm actually even upset that I just said it that way because that paints it in a negative connotation. We are here to help one another. We are a team. And we all have a common goal of helping to take care of the patients and for the patient to have good outcomes and for us to have a great day, right? But you often need certain pieces of information to have a great day. That way you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off because an important piece of patient information was omitted and something went awry before you could discover this. So let me just mention this. As a critical care transport nurse, I was picking up a patient at a particular hospital and transferring them to another unit same level of care. It was their preferred hospital based on their insurance plan. So this was a 76-year-old male, full code, allergic to sulfa, had been admitted literally like two weeks ago for fever, vomiting, nausea times two days. They came in through the ER. They noticed that they had an increased troponin and they had some pneumonia on x-ray. History, coronary artery disease, hypertension, diabetes, that's what I was told, right? That's what I was told. Um, and that they were just transferring to a different hospital for insurance purposes. So, okay. Well, even just based on that information, I'm just like, okay. Increased troponin, 
pneumonia. I'm like, was it a STEMI? Was it a NSTEMI? Like, how high is high increased troponin? Like, I just have a few other questions. And also, let me just kind of back up and say, when I arrived, this nurse was just packing the patients up and just like wanted to just for me and my team to kind of just take the patient. I'm like, I need a report. She says, well, I gave a report to the receiving facility. And I said, well, as a transporting nurse, I need a report too. So that's when I asked for that, she already felt like Candy gave me the stink eye, but then she gave me that report. So I took that and I had the chart that was going with me and kind of was perusing through that. You know, I asked some questions about the mentation, you know, vital signs and things like that. And then I asked about the increased troponin. Is that the two weeks ago? Is that recently? Like, what are we talking about? Like, is, was this a STEMI? What was going on? And what's the rhythm? Y'all. Now, this was a night shift. We'd all come on night shift. She said, I don't know what the rhythm is. The patient's not on monitor. Wow. Increased troponin. Had all, you know, diabetes, hypertension, coronary disease. You're not worried about the rhythm? What's happening here, right? So I said, not on, on the monitor. And so by this time, let me actually say this. By the time I was picking up the patient, because this was a night shift, it was about three o'clock in the morning. She said the patient had been off monitor since she first arrived, seven o'clock, because she thought the patient was getting picked up sooner and she received the patient that way. So she thought status quo, leave the patient like that, they're leaving anyways. I said, were you not concerned about dysrhythmias? I mean, he was already here for hypertension, diabetes, coronary disease, and had an increased troponin. What if there were some other arrhythmias? You would not have even known that. And she said, well, let me find out for you. So she went to the chart, proceeded to tell me what the rhythm was, like as of 5 p.m. Mind you, it's 3 a.m. in the morning now. And she gave me a rhythm. She said, it's AFib, third degree block. And I said, the patient's both? What, what's, can you clarify? Like, what's happening? And she's like, I don't know. She got real frustrated. I don't know. What do you want me to do? The patient was off the monitor and that's how I received him. But because she asked me, listen, and she was getting really, voice, the tone was getting a little louder too. She says, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I looked at her badge and I saw her name. I'm going to make up a name now. I'm going to just say Sharon. That, that wasn't really her name. I'm not going to say what her name is, but I'm going to say, Sharon, what you should have done was put the patient on the monitor because while you are in the patient's care, because you're the nurse, can't control what the day nurse did, but you as a nurse should have had the patient on the monitor. Cause now you're asking me to transport a patient. This patient is sick enough where they need a nurse to transport with them. I'm really here for surveillance and possible intervention. So if I'm needed, then you're needed and that it should be a continuum of care. So she kind of looked at me like, she didn't know what to say. Like she was a little kind of looked like borderline upset with me, but she needed to hear that. She needed to hear that. And I also asked, I said, so did they do anything with the elevated troponin? How about the patient went to the cath lab, had a procedure, had some stents placed, right? And then, oh, by the way, the patient has a pacemaker. And when I walked in there, like she didn't tell me other, any other history, patient had a zipper surgical mark from the sternum all the way down. So I said, did the patient have a bypass? I don't know. I don't know. And so that just let me know that this nurse didn't even do a physical assessment because she thought the patient was leaving and the patient was leaving. However, she came in at seven o'clock, got report that, oh, the patient's leaving. Patient was off monitor, all these things. So I asked her elements about her assessment. She couldn't tell me, she didn't know. 
She thought the patient was leaving, so she didn't worry about it. She didn't basically she didn't do anything for the patient. And I, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I wanted to urge, urge, strongly urge, and empower my colleagues who are listening to this. Don't let that be you. Do not. Okay. I understand that this patient was going to be leaving. However, you don't know when the patient's going to be leaving, and you don't know how soon something could happen. Something could have happened as soon as they came into your care. And let me just tell you this story. I remember because I was a new grad and I was getting a report on a patient. I was coming in on day shift. Night nurse said, oh, the patient has been refusing all types of care, doesn't want to get an echo, doesn't want this, doesn't want the medicine. So we call the family. Family's on their way to come get them. I said, okay, cool. And they said, so don't worry about anything. You know, patient's, you know, sitting there with her clothes on. She's ready to go in for a family. Y'all. So this was like at 7.15. No lie at 7.24. Code blue. Room 525, that's the room of the lady that was supposed to be leaving. I don't know shit about her because the night nurse didn't give me any report. All I knew is patient was refusing stuff, needed to go home. We were in that room. Labs were crazy. The One of the providers said her potassium was, her potassium was 6.2. Was this treated? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't ask. We didn't even talk about labs. We didn't talk about when her last dialysis treatment was. I didn't even know she had a dialysis catheter. Like, I didn't even know that part because that's how much the nurse didn't tell me because I thought the patient was leaving. I thought I was on cruise control. Don't be that nurse on cruise control. So back to this patient that I was transferring. So later I found out from the patient that, yes, he had a bypass. It was three years ago. Also had went to the cath lab and had some stents placed. Oh, by the way, ejection fraction was only 25%, had global hypokinesis of the ventricular walls, had massive regurge, and was like, basically, it was occasionally V-paced, was in an A-flutter, and I don't know why this is, but it had, was a, occasionally V-paced, like the rhythm was changing, the liter- literally, the rhythm was changing and having like PVCs here and there, like, it was a little all over the place, to be honest, and so for to have the patient off-monitor, so seven, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, eight hours in your care, you're responsible. So this was upsetting to me because we talk about, you know, being overworked, overwhelmed and all of these other things. And I think sometimes, not all the time, sometimes we put ourselves, you know, in these situations by not doing our due diligence and doing what we're supposed to do. And so that handoff was very important. So the nurse was really kind of upset with me. And then also, as I'm looking through the chart, I said, do you have the baseline EKG? And so she came back and bought me a telestrip. I said, no, ma'am, I'm asking for a 12 lead EKG. And she kind of looked at me like, for what? And so I basically said, well, this is important because the patient has so much cardiac history. It's important to have a baseline. So in the event that something else happens, they can compare EKGs to see what's changed or things like that. And She's like, oh, it's written in the report. I said, I understand it, what it's written in. But oftentimes providers like to look at the actual scans, EKGs themselves, because they may not agree with what the previous provider saw. Or maybe your provider here missed something and the other provider can catch it. But they won't catch it if they don't get to look at the actual scan or 12 lead themselves. So I asked for it. But I hear her, she's going to the nurse station. This nurse wants the 12 lead EKG. I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm not asking it for my personal. I'm asking because this is an important part of the patient's healthcare record that you didn't provide in this chart because she's got a little snippy with me. So I had to let her know that I'm not asking this because I want to see it. It's part and part of the medical record. It should be in there. 
And then she's looking. She's like, well, it's not in the chart. I said, well, did you scan it? I said, you guys have electronic health care record. I'm pretty sure it's scanned. Most places scan it. No, it's not in there. It's not in there. I said, well, can you ask your charge nurse? Charge nurse literally rolls up. I was like, oh, we scanned those in. So the nurse didn't even bother to even try to look for this information. So it was really disheartening. And I never want a nurse like that taking care of me. And this is not to beat up this particular nurse, which is why I didn't mention their name. But I say this to say, please don't be that nurse. It is critical. This patient was a lot sicker than what she realized the patient was. I mean, at any moment, this patient literally could have had some terrible arrhythmias, like their heart is in really, really bad condition. And yes, they also did have, actually, she told me pneumonia. The patient actually had some pulmonary edema from their heart failure and also had an elevated BNP, which she failed to mention. The BNP was like 7,000 something, but she didn't know because I don't know if she didn't get that in report or I don't, maybe it was kind of like patients leaving, don't worry about it, but you cannot do that because the patient was on oxygen. And I'm like, I always ask the question, does the patient use oxygen at home? I don't know. We should ask that. This is, it's not normal for patients to use oxygen at home. If the patient uses oxygen at home, there must be some COPD, some asthma, some pulmonary fibrosis, something going on. Let me know that. Versus they've deteriorated and now need assistance with oxygenation. And now they require oxygen. Because if that's the case, that's going to clue me into maybe the patient's a little sicker than what we think. Is there fluid in the way? Like what's happening? Is there a fibrosis? Is there a PE? Like these are things that you need to ask and should be asking of your colleagues when you get report. But this patient, again, was on oxygen when he didn't use oxygen at home and was on four liters. And I always do this as part of my assessment. I will turn down the oxygen to see how the patient does at room air. Obviously, if, if there's some changes in their conditions, um, they start to look unstable, then I turn it back up right away. But I at least try to get a snapshot of how this patient will do on room air. It gives me some indication of how sick that they are. So this is likely what happened. Had an MI, it worsened what was already a sick heart, pushed the patient into heart failure, and then he started to develop some pulmonary edema. There was fluid in the lungs. So a lot of those things were happening. And listen, it doesn't take that long to give a good solid report. Oh, and by the way, the patient was at 90% on room air. So anyways, you know, these are important things to know about your patient. And it doesn't take that long to give a, a very succinct report. These are actually very important things. And you don't need to be a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a PA to give this level of a report. All you got to do is know about your patient. And so some people will say, oh, I don't have time to read the chart. Are you crazy? What do you mean you don't have time to read the chart? Then you get upset when providers don't read your notes in the chart. Like, let's make the chart functional and usable. Let's put in information that we really need that's going to track and trend important data and give us narratives that are important to clinical progress of the patient. I always tell people, and even as a clinical instructor, I always told my students, please always make sure to read the ER notes um, and history and physical, and at least the most recent progress note. At a minimum, it doesn't take that long to read that at the top of your shift. Reading that will give you so much information and it will help you make sense of the labs and test results that you're seeing. It'll help you with your assessments and better understand where the patient's at, whether they're getting better or getting worse. I have had times where I've done my assessment. I'm like, oh my God, I better call the provider. This is like a massive murmur. I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing things. And so when the provider would come, then I would say these things. He's like, yeah, it's, a, it's a, the HP. Did you read the HP? 
I'm like, egg on my face. So really read the H&P. They're actually not that long. And then that can actually help you find consensus in your assessment. So for example, if it says that the patient has JVD, there's murmurs, or they have um, bibasal or crackles or something, that should help clue in your assessment that maybe you did it like, I don't really hear anything. Maybe they're getting better. Or maybe you weren't really great in your placement and you go back and re-listen. You're like, ah, there you go. I hear it now. But it's important to know that information. We can't honestly provide quality care or safe care if we don't know what's going on with your patients. The reason also why I say this is having a good clinical picture is going to help us be more streamlined and efficient in our care. We're going to be able to have conversations with our colleagues that are meaningful about the progress of our patients. It's going to build trust amongst colleagues. So yes, we got tasks and there's a task list of things to do, but listen, let's make sure we understand the why and the when of those tasks and make sure that we're not just blindly just trying to complete a task list or, you know, complete it, but that we're also doing things that are impactful and important to the patient's care. So again, this patient was like super sick, actually also had kidney disease, acute on chronic kidney disease, also had an aortic aneurysm. And the chest x-ray was actually worsening from the admission, had um, bilateral pulmonary opacities, infiltrates all over the place, pulmonary uh, vascular congestion, like it was not good. (laughs) Patient was actually getting worse. Labs were nuts and crazy. Blood sugar was 305. Sugars were being poorly managed. I don't know if the provider was communicated or if they were like, oh, patient's transferring and kind of wrote them off. I really dislike when that happens because the patient is still in our care. And every single opportunity, every minute the patient's with us is an opportunity to help them, to tee them up. I really dislike it when people are just like, oh, like the patient, maybe the patient's having like some pain or whatever. And there's like, oh, well, his pain's only five out of 10. We're going to let the receiving facility give pain medication. Now, why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you do that? Why would you allow someone to be in pain when you have pain medication that you can't administer? And I, as a Critical care transport nurse can monitor the patient. Just give it. I can monitor it. Patient doesn't need to stay with you to set for reassessment or anything like that. Give the pain medication. And besides, and we know that the minute the patient goes to the new hospital, their new admission, whether it's a direct admit through the ER, it takes a minute. It takes a minute for orders to get written, pharmacy to fill them so they're in your medication administration machine. And like if the care is delayed, don't be that nurse either. Okay, we are a team. This should be streamlined. Like, we are all running a relay race and we are passing the baton. We should not stifle care and we got to do what's right. We got to do the right thing. And when we do the right thing, that's when good things can happen. If we don't do the right thing, that's when bad things can happen. Then something you know bad happens to the patient. They do the chart audit, this and that, and it comes back to the nurse. And then the nurse is all defensive you know, about work environment and this, this, and that. like so many things will then come up to deflect the fact that You didn't do a proper assessment. You didn't continue your monitoring and surveillance of a patient that was in your care. I'm saying that because I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Actually, I see this a lot in my transport position. I get to go to different hospitals and see many different nurses, many different practices. I would say, and this is just my experience, about 80% of it, pretty cool. Other 20% of it, I think there's room for opportunities. And as a seasoned nurse, I also am very careful with my approach and how I provide feedback and constructive feedback. It's never criticism. It's always just feedback to help the next nurse. Like, for example, this is one thing. When you're going to transfer a patient, always as possible, bring let them have the scans like MRI, CT, all those things. 
the actual disc. You have this patient going, call radiology, get the disc ready to go. Because people say, oh, well, the report's there. I've had to give this lesson so many times. I understand there's a written report. However, your neurologist may not, their interpretation may not be the same of the next neurologist's interpretation. So it's very important that the provider gets actually gets to see the scan and do their own interpretation to exercise their clinical judgment as far as what's needed, not to just base it on someone else's report. And I know we should be able to trust those reports. And yeah, for the most part, but we also know that things get missed, things get dropped, things get mixed up, things like that. And so it's always good to have the disc. But another reason is if it's not, the disc doesn't go with the patient, then patients at the new facility, care gets delayed because they need to see the imaging before they do the surgery. So they repeat the image. And so there's just a delay in care, exposure to radiation, like all of these things. So dang, just prepare the disc, prepare, do your assessment. As long as that patient's in your care, act accordingly. You know, this is just my two cents when it comes to transferring a patient, whether you're transferring from unit to unit or facility to facility, all of these things are very important. Giving a good S-bar handoff to tee up the patient because heaven forbid the patient goes to the new facility where no one knows the patient yet and something happens. They're not going to be as quick to respond with certain things if certain information is missing. They may go down the wrong rabbit hole. So long story short, please do a thorough assessment. Please make sure that you don't shortchange or terminate any type of monitoring, surveillance, or interventions prematurely while the patient is in your care. While the patient's in your care, they are in your care. So just wanted to share that story. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've been in a similar situation. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org and share your story, or you can you know, leave a comment, rate or review. Always enjoy that. Sharing is caring. i love to know what you think about the podcast. Yeah, that's it, guys. So thanks so much to nurse.org for hosting the show. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. And hey, nurse.org is an excellent online platform for all your needs, educational, clinical, if you're going back to school, how to pay your student loans, like anything and everything you need to know as a nurse and for nursing. So thanks so much. So guys, until next time, I am your host, Alice Benjamin. Be kind to one another, make good choices, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.